when you said you've you've never talked about your parents' death, mm -hmm. did you mean like in a medium like this or just you never talked about it? I've never like walked the story down like from beginning to end for anybody. Like, of course, I think about it, but I don't I never revisited the story and just kind of like told the story, how things happened, yeah. how it affected me. And Kellum, you said that. So we did. And so we kind of talked about it today because uh. I said, have I ever like told you? And he said, you tell me the bulk of it, but you've never like but never given like... me the full details wow. of how it played out. So that's interesting. And how long ago was that? Wait, the story, like when I told him? No, 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 no. Because you just said, oh, that was just. <laughs> <laughs> that was today. Right. Yeah. I mean, my uh, mom how... passed away in 07. Dang. My dad passed away in 11. Dang. That's, that's like nine years ago and 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, can we walk through that story? We can. <laughs> okay. I, um, yeah, so it was a. Uh, you know, I've known you for, well, it's been like five years. Yeah. And we talked about, I forget how I found out. I, I think I only learned a, uh, about that part of your story. Through my testimony. Through your testimony. And then at that point, it was like so broad and so big that I didn't yep. <laughs> ask. And it's. It's funny, cause, well, not funny, but other people that grieve or have dealt with grief, mm -hmm. um, it, like, it comes out, right? So yeah. it's, and it may just be because, you know, I'm a passion of a platform and I speak at so many places, but I feel like everybody now knows that, oh, no, my brother died of natural causes. Yeah. Went sleep in his car, didn't wake back. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I've told that so much in the past five years that it's just like clockwork. And so there's an aspect where it's like, I don't know if, yo, am I just a bad friend that I've never <laughs> asked? But then realizing that your husband really didn't even know the timeline until today makes me feel like, oh, all right, well, at least I'm not bad as Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew, he right. knew the timeline. No, no, I he know, just, I know. The specifics, I just. Yeah. Yeah. Is this easier for me to kind of breeze over, give you the overview? Right. I like birdshot view and so keep walk going. me through it. So um Well before we start that, it's uh you're just in a unique space. Mm-hmm. I am. Pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> uh three months away from meeting our baby boy and I don't have either of my parents. So mm. that yeah. is where I am today. Wow. Yo, what's up, yo? Welcome back to Four in the Morning. Um, this is John O. I'm your host, and this is a podcast about hope, right? One of the things we like to say is that uh, every new day begins in the dark. Right. Uh, just because you're honest about the way things are outside doesn't mean that you can't be hopeful. And I think where I've seen this tension most is really the subject of our convo today. 
um, as it relates to grief. Uh, I think most of us are unprepared to deal with grief. And when I say unprepared to deal with grief, uh, what I don't mean is the earthquake of grief, right? We got a bunch of people to surround us when the earthquake hits, a bunch of things to hold on to. Uh, it's the aftershocks of grief that I think that we're unprepared for. And that's why I brought uh, Raven on to talk today. We're just going to spend some time and talk about uh, this one truth that I don't think a lot of people know, and that's this. Grief doesn't have an expiration date. Um, you think of a fresh loaf of bread from the store and it's only good for a week or two, you know, unless you put it in the freezer to prolong the life. Uh, but then after that, it's not fresh anymore. Once it molds, you can't really refresh it. It's done. It's expired. You've got to throw it away. Right. Sodas last a little longer than that. Uh, canned goods last longer than that, but they still perish, right? Even non-perishable food items eventually perish. That can of green beans at the back of your pantry uh, isn't going to make it as long as you think that it will, right? Um, everything expires and perishes except for grief. Grief ain't like none of those things. It stays fresh. Uh, and every piece of good news that you get after you experience grief tends to refreshen that grief, right? So what should be a sunrise that you get to experience that should bring you tears of joy brings this mixture of tears of joy and sadness, right? Joy for what you've gained, but sadness because you can't really share it with the people that you've lost. Uh, grief does this. It does at least two things. Grief taints and tints everything. It taints it. Um, there's no experience that's left unaffected. Everything in the present has grief mixed in. So it's kind of like um, LaCroix, right? So, so I like water and I like soda, but I don't like LaCroix because it feels like it's tainted in the wrong direction. If I want a soda, I don't want it to be tainted by water. If I want water, I don't want it to be tainted by... Um, the whisper of flavor that's supposed to remind me of strawberries, right? So far from it providing the best of both worlds, it's actually the worst of both worlds. And that's what grief does. Grief taints everything. Nothing is unaffected, but it also tints everything. Your perspective on the future is colored. While everyone else in the world experiences good news and leaps for joy. You can't help but to feel like at any moment the sky could come crashing down. So you never really jump as high. And it, grief just is subtle, but it has this power. But even in this, y'all, there is a way to hope in the darkness of grief. And that's why I'm bringing on Raven, because uh, I can't imagine what she's gone through. But I've gotten a chance for the past five years to see firsthand how her and her family have dealt with it. And what you see are people that hope in incredibly dark times. Um, you'll notice it as we talk. So this is going to be the first time that she's recounted the story of losing both of her parents uh, in the course of a few years. And she's recounting the entire story. And what you're going to see is that 
uh, the conversation is awkwardly filled with laughing and joking and remembering the faithfulness of God and all of it. And it's just a hopeful way to talk about such tragic circumstances, right? And so here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying everyone should deal with their grief this way or that this is the right way. I'm just saying this has been her way and it's been an inspiration to me. She knows that grief doesn't expire. She realizes it's going to be there. And so she's not overly concerned with trying to evict it. Um, she just wants to put grief in its place and let it know that it doesn't run the house. It doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't set the rules. It's welcome to hang around, but it's never going to take over. Um, so I hope this encourages you to be honest and hopeful today. Um, so I think I experience those often, um, especially, as you said, big events, celebratory, exciting moments. Um, they always remind me a piece of me is absent. Mm. And so finding out the baby was born, I mean, well, finding out we were pregnant, huge. Right. Who do we tell first? Of course, we get to tell Kellen's parents. Right. I don't get to tell my parents. In that time, I was super excited because he and I got to experience that together. Right. Um, and he helps. I think when I do feel these times or fluctuations and feelings and things like that. So he just kind of helps level me out yeah. there. But I was excited to tell his parents to see their facial expressions and their tears but I think at night when I go and lay down and like revisit and recap my day mm. is when I feel like, darn, I didn't get to, you know, see how my mom would have reacted or yeah. how my dad would have been excited and yeah. things like that. So I think it comes later. It doesn't happen right away. And it's not like I feel any less excitement because they're excited. So right. I also experience that excitement with them. Yeah. Um, it's just that I also deal with the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. That gets tricky. <laughs> um, how but yes, so? How, that, how, how, uh, how does it get tricky? Because it's, it's a constant moving thing for me. Like you said, it never, it never expires. Yeah, it's right. always, it's ongoing. Right. Um, so wedding time, super exciting moment. Yeah. My dad's not walking me down the aisle. My mom's not here. You know, there are pictures in the front. Right. They're not physically here. Those types of things. The baby. Um, the gender reveal. Yeah. My sisters came. And of course, my family gives me that. Yes, you're not. Okay. <laughs> so I need to be very careful here. I feel loved right. from everybody. Absolutely. But there's still, of course, me longing for wanting to have my parents there and to yeah. feel that love There's from them. There's a piece them. missing. Right. And that so nobody else can really replace. Like, yeah. Ava was born and, you know, first person I want to tell is Sam. Or when yeah. she becomes mm -hmm. super OCD or she doesn't, I'm like, yo, she's just like you. Or yeah. she loves watching basketball, right? That's a joy that I have, mm -hmm. but it's this sorrowful joy because. Nah, the good thing about joy is that 
you get to share them, right? Joys right. are enlarged when they're shared. Mm -hmm. And there's somebody that I really want to share it with that I can't. That's the tricky part of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, honestly, I think that's why it's that I'm joyful in those moments, but it's also, I have learned to be joyful and still can say that I am sad, sad. to my husband. Yeah. And so he doesn't see that as me being a joy sucker. Or, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. Because a lot of people could like yeah. you're always sad. Why are you sad in this moment? It's supposed to be a good time. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that as I was growing, is this is a good time? Why are you guys sad to me and my siblings? And it's you guys don't have to deal with our like the death like we have to deal with it. Y'all don't get it. No. Yeah. And and regardless of how much people try to empathize mm -hmm. unless you've gone through that specific thing. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. Walk me through. Story. The story. Okay. So... I'll just give a brief overview of just childhood. Childhood, two-parent household, right. low income, <laughs> <laughs> west end of Louisville. Um, and it's funny because as a child, you don't know that you're impoverished or you don't have right. what everyone else has. Because with our parents, they never had made us feel that way. We always felt like we had what we needed. Right. Which, if it was each other, we never went without a meal, things yeah. like that. Fast forward, 2017, my freshman year of high school, it was October the 19th, um, I went to visit my mom. She had, she actually had gotten really sick in May, and that's when we found out she was sick. This is 2007. 2007. Yeah. So she got sick in May. Um, we found out, and then she progressively got worse throughout the summertime. Sick? What? She had multiple myeloma. So it's a form of leukemia, yeah. like a blood cancer. And so um, the doctor ended up telling us, well, told my dad she only had a couple months to live, like mid in summer. And my dad set us down and was just telling us, like, we are all we have. You guys, this is just going to get worse as it goes. Mm -hmm. And of course, a num I'm 14, numb, not thinking it's true. Right. I just heard it and was like, okay, she'll be okay. Right. She's fine. She's superwoman. Nothing's yeah. going to happen. So October comes and I go visit her on the 19th of October. Uh, she was actually admitted to the hospital at this time because she had gotten so sick. She went, she was admitted to veterans hospital because she was in the army. And so um, went to visit her uh, and was like, Hey, we're going to go to a football game. I'm a high school freshman. So excited. It's like, I'll be back tomorrow. Um, she was fine. Yeah. Normal self talking, great time. I leave for the night. I spend the night with my cousin. My sisters call me the next morning, like, hey, we're going to pick you up and go to the hospital. They were fine. So I'm like, okay, everything's okay. Right. I get in the car and it's dead silent. Mm -hmm. No one's talking. Um, and my oldest sister's phone rings and she answers and she says, she's gone. And so, those words are just ringing in my head. Like, she's gone. What is she talking about? 
And then I started noticing like she answers the phone and she says she's gone to y'all or to the people to the person on the phone. I have no idea who she was talking to. So they already knew. Yes. Which makes sense because the car was so quiet. Oh, but they weren't that way when they called me. So it had to happen from the house to them picking me up. Oh, my goodness. So they had to receive the call before they picked like before I got in the car. And so. I was sitting there. Um, it felt like the longest drive to the hospital. And when we pulled up, my middle school teacher was standing in the parking lot. And I knew at that point something was wrong because right. she was close to my mom and she was there. And I'm like, well. So after she said she's gone, nobody else said any words. No one said car. anything. We didn't talk the rest of the ride. So you were there and all you could do was like, piece things together but it still wasn't nope and uh, i mean of course assumptions but i didn't have any proof and i didn't really want to ask because clearly no one was talking and that's not normal and so when we pulled up to the hospital i get out and i see her face my middle school teacher's face she embraces me and i start to cry because i knew something was wrong yeah And we walk into the hospital, vividly still remember the smell of the hospital, Mm -hmm. hate that smell. Um, And we're walking down the hall and my uncles are all there and they were crying. I was like, okay, this is real. Mm. We get to the door and her body is still in the bed. Um, My knees buckle, I sob, I'm screaming. People are trying to console me and I'm pushing them away. My sisters are all screaming and it was real. Like she was not breathing. Her body was there lifeless and cold and they wouldn't remove her until we got there. So what was your dad? My dad, he was in the lobby. He was crying. He ended up coming into the room with us. Um, But he was grieving just as hard as we were. And so it was Pretty rough time. <laughs> so you're 14 years old. Mm-hmm. You lose your mom. And you get the news. Like, like one of the things that people that haven't lost anybody, they don't know that it's... There's the actual death of the person that's etched in your mind, but then it's how you got the news or how you found out that's etched in as well. And both could be equally traumatic yeah so you get this news and then now you have a single dad Mm -hmm. in poverty raising seven kids what did that next phase of life look like while you still had him um so it was rough life started to spiral for everybody Uh, My dad was grieving so hard. Uh, My mom was literally the rock for him and for us. And uh, we actually ended up getting separated. So Mm. my little sister and little brother went to live with my oldest sister. And then me and so two of two, three of my siblings were out of the house. Two were in college. Mika was married. Um, And then so it was just the four of us. Yeah. Um, me and an older one older sister and then the two youngest ones. They went with Mika. I went with Bird. <laughs> this is 
actually, this is actually very interesting. Okay, first we went to live with my grandmother and then the youngest ones went to my sister and me and the other sister went with my uncle. Um, and my dad was just left to grieve. Just to grieve by himself. By himself. So we um, essentially lost not just his wife, but his entire family. Mm-hmm. And that was due to someone calling CPS on him. And so... When you said he was grieving hard. So he was absent. He wasn't in the house as often as he was prior to. Yeah. Um, I'm almost sure he probably started engaging in some things as far as like alcohol and right. maybe even drugs. Yeah. Um, but it was very clear that he couldn't take care of himself. Right. But he tried very hard to take care of us. Yeah. Um, so I think it was just affecting him in all areas of life. Yeah. And so, yeah, we got taken my sophomore year, my sophomore year of high school. Um, and I stayed with my uncle for that one year. Mm-hmm. was also getting that year spiraling of course for me my affiliations with people um affiliations with people (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i uh i think the statute of limitations i think it's expired uh, (laughs) from 13 years ago i think that you're good to be a little Uh, more (laughs) So, yes. Um, Unless it's somebody from your past is still trying to come and find you. Then and that. No, no, okay. no. I think <laughs> most of them have died. Everybody's dead? Yes. Um, so, a lot of the people that I was affiliated with, they have been murdered or jail time. They're serving life sentences. Uh yeah. So these are the, after your mom died, the mm-hmm. affiliations. So when you say like all of them, like, is there anybody from that time that you roll with that is still? There is one and he is now a believer and he is married wow. to my sister. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Oh, word. <laughs> All right. Yo, I'm not trying to say his name because I don't, I can't implicate nobody. Hey, man. Yo. Yo, yo, I ain't seen nothing, right? I ain't hear nothing. <laughs> I ain't hear nothing. Uh, so, uh, all right. Explain to me. Paint a picture for me. So, okay. So, you know, I grew up around like, there were certain people that were like tough guys, but I grew up around a lot of like fake tough guys, mm-hmm. right? So, and I've seen a lot of fake tough guys through the years, mm-hmm. but when you, yeah, Kellum told me not to let you slide on this one because, yeah, paint a picture for me of these. Um. So, yes, these are real tough guys. 
uh, walking around with guns, um, beefing with other territories. And my affiliation with them, they were my brothers. Mm. So I got to hang out. I would ride with them. Yeah. They get shot at and I'm in the car. We get shot at in the car. Um, so this is this is at 14. 14. Your mom dies and it's like, you're like, yo, I'm just going all the way. Mm-hmm. So what? what's your, do your like brothers and sisters know that this is what you're on at this time? Are they a part of it? Are people saying, yo, Raven, you're tripping? Like, Well, I mean, two of my sisters who were closer in age to me, yes. Um, I was actually introduced to most of them through one of my sisters. Mm. And they never really said anything. These guys were our brothers. And so they protected us if something happened. If I went out to a party and a guy bumped me, I'm calling. The whole crew's coming to the party. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was even used as bait. So they were they were beefing with another set and the the head guy in the other set saw me at a party outside the party and pulled the gun on me and said, call your brothers. So I was used as bait to get them to come to the party. Um, I refused. I said, I'm not because I knew he was going to try to kill them. And so I ended up calling my sister and she knew the guy. And she called his phone and he he ended up saying, I was just, you know, playing. I didn't. She said, that's not how you play. You don't pull you don't pull a gun on my sister. And, you know, so they kind of had words and then he ended up letting me walk away. Um, but, yeah, I. These guys were like my family. Yeah. It was a family that I created. I enjoyed the thrill. I was trying to replace pain mm. with this thrill of life. Did you feel like. The loss of your mom made you feel like, I don't care if I live or die. Like, mm-hmm. did you Be find there? Yeah. I I was there. I was there. I, I didn't care if I lived. I didn't care if I died. I know I had a lot of days where I felt that and I even said that out loud to myself. Mm. Um, and I was just looking for a place to belong. Mm. And they made that place home for me. Mm. And yeah, they would come to my basketball game. (laughs) 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 So of course I was a freshman. I played freshman JV in varsity at this prestige high school in Louisville. And these black guys with baggy pants (laughs) and they, some of them didn't RIP shirts and hoodies. Uh, some of them didn't get checked, so some of them did get to come through the game with their guns. Um, but yeah, they and that <laughs> they was, were my support system. <laughs> that was just life for four years. Yep. After your mom passed, did you feel the same sense of, or did did you feel grief when your other friends went, or was it kind of you were already just so numb at that time that? As one after another went, it was just, this is death, but I've already felt death at the closest level, so this makes me feel sad, but it's not. 
Especially for the ones who died not long after my mom, it was it was sad, mm. but I didn't grieve as hard. Mm. So I graduated 2011, and that year um, I went off to college, <laughs> and then of course October. 15 days prior to my mom passing, um, my dad dies. I didn't realize it was that close. Mm-hmm. Four years apart. How did Freshman year of high school, freshman year of college. How did he? He had urethral cancer, mm. um, which he was very vocal. He's a very smart man, and he was trying to prepare us for his death. Mm. Because he said we weren't prepared for my mom's. Yeah. Um, but we still, of course, <laughs> I took it a little more serious than I did my mom's, though, because, yeah. of course, I had actually dealt it with before. it. And so, uh, yeah, he, that morning I got a call, I was at school, and they said, he's gone. Who? Yeah. My brother called us. So we were, I was on, my brother called me, my sisters, and two of my sisters, Destiny and Alexis. We were on three-way. And he said, he's gone. So I said, okay, I love you guys. I'll be on my way home. So I had to pack up and drive back to Louisville <laughs> for another death. Um, yeah. So I kind of want to back up a little bit, John. Yeah, please, <laughs> please do. So I I do want to point out that when I moved with Kevin and Mika was the first time I think my faith was actually birthed. Mm. Like I was able to see someone love me and pursue me, even in the midst of me pushing them away and saying mean things and still not listening um, and I was able to see the way they lived, which is when I, at that point, knew that I knew Christ. So, yeah, I mean, you grew up and uh, believed in God your your whole life. And mm -hmm. most people feel that tragedy is what makes people, like, turn to God and really take him over. But from your standpoint, what you're saying is, nah, the tragedy, like, sent me reeling and <laughs> with affiliations of unnamed people, right? Uh, but what you said was that, but even when I was at my worst, it was the kindness of my sister and brother-in-law that really made me feel like maybe there is something to whatever it is they believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That definitely did it for me. Yeah. Um, the way they lived. Yeah. And loved other people, not just me. Right. How willing they were to even stop their lives in another city, come back, build a home for us to live in. Oh, so it wasn't just like, yo, we already planned to move back now, come and stay with it. It's, yo, Raven struggling. Let's uproot. I th so the, uh, the original plan was because my mom passed was to go come back. Yeah. Because okay. 
where were we all going to go? Right. And so I guess they were just trying to create a home for us to all be able to wow. unite in. That's and the home was being built, but they were more adamant once they saw my life spiral, like you're coming, like, come on. You have to. You, yeah. Wow. So October, 2007, you lose your mom to mm -hmm. cancer. Yes. October 2011, your freshman year of college, you lose your dad to cancer. Mm -hmm. What were the following months and years? After that. Um, so after, after dad, um, I, I felt the, like I felt myself in this dark place again. Um, of course it was, it was different than my mom's death. Um, but still had a horrible first half of my fall semester. Uh, I was failing by midterms. I had yeah. all Fs, yeah. <laughs> but I was, I was trying, I was grieving. I was still trying to go to class. Um, I think I had even started drinking and partying more. Yeah. But I graduate, guys, yeah. twice. <laughs> and cum laude from undergrad, okay? <laughs> so it turned around, but I was in this place of like just questioning why, again, yeah. this can't be real. Right. Um, and my doctors at school, of course, wanted to give me depression medicine. And this, I just was like, no, I'm not taking this medicine. Um, but I did. I started, I think at that point, I was actually able to start dialoguing with with God, of course. Yeah. But just in a sense of, I know that, um, like, it looks and it feels black. Like, as you would say it, it looks and it feels black. And... I know it's 4 a.m., but it feels like it's nighttime. And yeah. so I, I just, I was trying to really wrap my head around, Lord, help me. Yeah. And so at that point, I was meditating on um, the scripture of my grace is sufficient for you, for mm. my powers made perfect in weakness. Right. And that scripture is literally what got me through. Um, and it was my gleam of hope. Wow. And it made a difference for me at yeah. that time. Um Made a difference? Yeah, as far as just being able to pick myself back up. When my mom passed, it was dark, completely dark. <laughs> there was no there was no light. Yeah. There was nothing. But then when my dad passed away, it was dark. But I, I had some faith to hold on to. There was mm. still this light yeah. for me. Um, and I was grieving, but I had hope. And I knew scripture and I believed it. Right. And so it was easier for me to kind of mm. live through that. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point is when I just was picked myself up and said, we, you know, your dad would expect you to graduate. Your dad would expect because he was hard on me in right. school and wanting me to excel. And so I just wow. I had to turn it around at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what are their names? I've never asked you that. <laughs> my mom's name is Cheryl, and my dad's name was Jerome. Jerome and Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah. Rome and Rome. <laughs> <laughs> Rome and I. <laughs> Man. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. So, so as you, th- you know, one of the things that I love about y'all and your family is just how present you've made them in everything. So at your wedding, being able to do that and to see their pictures on the front row, at the baby shower, the gender reveal. It's like, no, hey, stop, stop, stop. Got to make sure the pictures are out there. Where did that come from? Wedding? Uh, My sister got got married in July. So Destiny got married right before me, and we had a picture for them there. Um, The same year? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. July, and then we were August. I mean, no, November. Um, I was saying with me and my brother. Really? Yeah, same year. He got married in July, and we got married oh, in November. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yes. So that's how we did that. But even my graduation cap, I had their pictures on top of it. Wow. My undergraduate cap. Yeah. Um, and so just making sure that they were a part of those memories. My mother-in-law actually insisted that they were at the gender reveal really yes so she was the one who said we need the picture there i'm gonna bring the stand um so she made sure to incorporate them in that one wow yeah so that was sweet that's amazing yeah So now, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> What's that look? I mean, I could go so many ways with this now. Um, yeah, I think even thinking through, um, I guess, just life, where we are, um, their death. And this could also, I think this is a reason a lot of people don't know about them is because their death caused me to be skeptical and not to trust people and yeah, just fearful to love and open up. Yeah. Mm. And so, so not to trust people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Explain what you mean by that. Um, so I think family that you thought you trusted <laughs> They kind of burned you after my parents passed away, just like mm-hmm. not expecting, expecting them to pr- be there in ways that they weren't there. Right. Yeah. Um, figures that you thought were close and they weren't. And so at that point, you just keep people at a distance. Right. You give them a little bit and you just, you don't want to be hurt again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's just kind of what I've, created as I went along, like through life, just like keeping people at a distance. When we get close, we get close. <laughs> yeah. um, but it takes time for me. Yeah. It takes time. Did you have, did you or do you continue to have fears that somebody else close to you is going to pass? I just had a conversation. I do. I thought my little brother would, mm. but he's incarcerated now. Yeah. So that gives me peace. You feel better about that? Yeah. <laughs> Sad, but 
but it's like you're probably safer in there than mm-hmm. you are out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was just telling Kellum the other day, just thinking about his death makes me cry. And he's not dead. And about Lord willing, he yeah. won't be dying anytime soon. Right. But I think about death. Yeah. And so, yes. Yeah. Now, those are the things like, so, I mean, granted, like you've lost parents. I've lost a sibling. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, after my brother died, it was uh, like it still to this day, to this day, it's been five years. Mm-hmm. Whenever my mom calls me, my heart skips a beat. Um, in those first years after he died, like it didn't push me closer to my siblings. It pushed me further apart. Like they all really went in. Yeah. But I was just like, this hurts too much. Mm-hmm. And the reality is everybody going to go. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I could deal with this again, if it hurts this much and so it just created a complicated relationship yeah so yeah do you um did that happen with you and any of your other siblings or do you feel like it had the reverse thing on y'all that it just made y'all closer that your dad sitting y'all down and saying we all we got like Mm -hmm. that that etched it into you I think that that was it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because he didn't lie. I think we got to see a lot of people's real intent mm. when my mom passed away. And then when he passed away, um, it literally bonded us together. Yeah. Stronger than ever. Mm. Um, of course, we're siblings, so. We <laughs> right, you still fight. We have problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I think it, it really brought us closer together. Yeah. So I mean, now, like, what, what fears do you carry into parenting? know if it's a fear or more of like a sadness um he doesn't get to experience what my life looked like as his at his age um so there's no one to really tell him about my side of the family or how things happen with me yeah things like that um so you just feel like he's gonna get you but he's just he's gonna get a piece of you he's yeah. he's gonna miss a big piece yeah mm. Of course, I'll try to give what I can, right. but I don't think it would be the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, just fear that. De- I think death is the biggest fear I have right. going into parenting. Yeah. That's a fear. Yeah. Definitely. What are your hopes? Uh, that he would grow, that he would love people well. Right. <laughs> um. Also, hold on. A big fear. Yeah. He's a black boy. Right. (laughs) 
That's a big fear. He's yeah. going to be a black boy. Yeah. In this climate of life. Yeah. He just has to be cautious. Yeah. Yeah. And educated. Yeah. That is definitely a fear yeah. for us. Yeah. Ah. You know, one of the things death does as well, and you talked about this, one of the things that death does as well, I think it makes you more... It doesn't desensitize you to it. I think it makes you more sensitive mm-hmm. and scared of its arrival yeah. when other people are kind of naive, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, do you know how when you buy a new car, you know, and you and Kellen buy new cars all the time. So. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how like when you buy a new car, and previously on the road, you hadn't seen that car, but now like everywhere you look, you see that car. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing with death. Like when it doesn't come to your front doorstep, it's this, I never really see it. But then when it comes to your front doorstep, you, you just, you realize how unexpectedly it comes mm-hmm. and like anything could be that, right? Any cough is like, yo, is that just a cough or is that? cancer right yeah. and and so it just it heightens you and it puts you at this place where most people feel like or they live like death is something that happens to other people's families yeah. i know it can take place with me but really on the inside they feel like that's for somebody else mm-hmm. but when you experience it you feel like it's coming yeah. It could be around that corner right now. And it just makes, yeah, it makes parenting challenging. Like I remember, you know, when Ava came back, there's the natural parent thing. Like, you know, I want them to stay alive and all that stuff. And I feel like there's a point in which normal parents like wake up in the morning and they take for granted, like, oh, that my kid's going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's three years in and I feel like I still haven't gotten to that place yet. You know, I wake up every morning and it's like, yeah, there's a, it's not expected for me. I wake up every morning, there's a sigh of relief. Like, and in one sense that makes you value life. Mm -hmm. But in another sense, it just increases the anxiety and you just feel like, Yo, I'm not free. People aren't supposed to live like that. Do you ever feel that way at all? I do. And I do think I will be that way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Even through this process, it's been every time I go to the doctor. Yeah. How's his heartbeat? Right. I don't know if he was kicking at all this week. Is he alive? And they're like, calm down. He's okay. Uh, and you're like, I can't come. Death has been too close to my doorstep. Yeah. I guess even thinking about parenting and death, for me, uh, this is the second most joyful time I can remember of my life. So the first one was getting married. Yeah. The second one was, of course, the baby. 
uh, super overwhelming but joyful uh, and to be able to finally say I have a family again oh so that is what I verbally said to Kellum um I have a family again mm-hmm. and I know my husband and I are family <laughs> no yeah and I know that my siblings and I are a family right uh it just for as far as siblings it kind of just felt broken because our our pieces weren't always yeah there because our parents aren't there um and we've loved each other well and we've been there but even growing with them they all have families and so I'm always reminded like holidays when they are with their families and doing things I didn't always feel like I belonged Mm. not that they made me feel that way um but yeah, so that that was a, a hard thing for me, and it was a reminder constantly. Um, so this is the first time I feel us, Kellum and I. Um, we have a family. Again. Yeah, we're gonna be parents. It's yeah. adding another layer to our family. Yeah. And so, yeah. And it's gotta be a great feeling. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so like complete, like it feels complete. It feels full, rejuvenating. Um, yeah, and just like wanting to be thankful and give praise, <clears throat> um, even in the midst of all those emotions, I still feel the residual effects of grief. Yeah. Um, and so it's not a bad thing, but I think that they can coexist. Yeah. Not they can, but they do. Yeah. And they have to. So for you, on anniversaries, birthdays, death anniversaries, do you still think, so how do you process that with Sam and where you are? Chandra knows like um, May or March 17th Mm -hmm. uh, was his birthday. So in March, we already it's unspoken but it's just uh i'm just not i'm not myself it is still hard to this day you know i don't really go into work i take the day off i just sit and yeah maybe there's someday i'll celebrate on that day but as it stands right now you know i'm five years in and it's still like it's it's still hard um you know, the tough thing is, it's that like joy mixed with sadness, the intersection, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Ava was born premature and she was on a ventilator mm-hmm. until April 14th, 2017. Sam died April 14th, 2015, mm. right? So the month of April is one filled with a uh, man. We pray for Ava for ten years, and yeah. so her birthday and the day she took her first breath, or right at the same time when Sam, yeah, took his final breath, and mm-hmm. so it's just, it's just complicated. Like life is complicated, and yeah. it will forever be complicated. Um, I haven't celebrated a birthday. 
after 32 years old that has not been complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just, like, we just have to embrace, like, it's complicated. Like, that's life. Life is, life is lived at the intersections. Um, There is no, like, freeway. Like, nobody just gets on the freeway of happiness. He gets yeah. to drive without getting stopped at a stoplight. Nah, freeway is a road downtown where every block there's an intersection, mm-hmm. and there's something that you have to stop at. And so I feel like that's what just makes it unique and makes it tough. And you know, once you embrace that life is lived at the intersections, I think you stop telling yourself what you should feel, right? Because that was the big thing. It's like, yo, you should be happy because, Mm -hmm. or you should be sad because, and now it's like, nah, I'm not going to tell myself what I should feel. Yeah, I'm going to feel what I feel. And then have people in my life to help give perspective, but I've learned, I've got to feel what I feel and I can't decide what to do with my emotions before I even know why they're there. My emotions are there for me to explore, not to decide what to do with them, right? Yeah. I, I don't think I am quite there yet. Right. Which is weird, because it's been 13 years and- Yeah, so. it's not about time. So that's <laughs> the thing, no, that's the thing. Like, it's not about time, right? Mm-hmm. It's It's not like walking, yeah. it's not like, Man, you're 14 years old and you still can't walk yet? Or, man, you're 14 years old, you still can't make your own breakfast? Like, it's yeah. it's not like that. There's certain things in life that just kind of come with time. Mm-hmm. You're this old, therefore you should be able to do that. Processing grief is not like that. Processing grief is like swimming. It's a skill, right? So you don't look at somebody, or at least I hope that you don't say <laughs> You 36 years old and you can't swim yet? I wouldn't say that. It's like, <laughs> no, it's, it's like, yo, I'm, first of all, I'm black and I grew up, <laughs> right? I grew up in a place like, yo, I ain't fool with water like that. And it's like, and it's like, it's not about time. It's, yeah. I never learned how. Mm-hmm. And that's what grief, like time does not heal all wounds. Like processing grief is a skill. And if you never learn how, it it could be 13 it could be 30 years Mm -hmm. that people carry that grief with them and um the people that learn to deal with it aren't folks that think like grief is grief is a pest that needs to be exterminated let's just kill it all it's not grief like that loss is going to be something that's with you for the rest of your life yeah. And the only thing that can erase that loss is for you to have the person back that you lost. But this side of eternity, we don't get to have that back. So you better learn how to live at the intersection or that extended time. Like It's definitely not going to make things better, but it will definitely make things worse if it compounds. Ha <laughs> ha
Uh, I find myself a people pleaser, uh, which is why I think I don't process all the time. So not trying to go around people and be sad or wanting to be a beat so people aren't always what's wrong. Right. Um, and Kelm has recently pointed out <laughs> during this pregnancy, if, if I'm like hurting or something is happening, he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. He said, why is it such a quick reaction? Right. You didn't even think about it. Yeah. And I said, that's just the skill I've just done since, I mean, my parents passed. It was just like, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. I'm fine. Right. Um, so it was good to ask for him to point that out. Yeah. I'm actually taking time to even think, you're not fine. What just happened? What, is, not, what right. is wrong? <laughs> yeah. Process this and tell him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what good counselors do like we tend to think like nah i've got to be okay because it's bad to be not okay and mm -hmm. what they say is no listen like you're not okay yeah and that's okay because everybody's not okay right, right. people run around and they act like they're okay but nobody is okay um, mm -hmm. and the people that are the most okay are the people that can admit like yo i'm not okay and that's what it is to live in a world where, yeah, you're stigmatized for your skin color. Right. I'm not okay. And that's what it is to live in a world where, you know, people that share the same faith as you don't seem to dignify human beings that have your same skin color, but a different background and you're constantly finding yourself at war in these intersections and that's what it is and the sooner that we can just learn like not in terms of the, the life that we live mm -hmm. um uh everything is broken and something is always missing mm -hmm. you know the sooner we can learn to embrace that it's like a cast that you put around a broken leg and it's Nah, your leg is broke. It's not okay. But it doesn't mean that you can't move around. You can still move around, but it's with a limp. And right. everybody limps through life. Y'all, once again, thanks for taking this journey with us. Uh, I hope that you are inspired today to become a better version of you that was the goal of all of this all right uh i know these past two weeks have been heavy and we've talked a whole lot about death but next week i'm excited i've got um an interview done with pastor crawford laritz and he's just been an incredible inspiration for me um on how to hope while fighting for the civil rights of people uh he's lived through uh, the civil rights movement of the 60s and the ones that we're in right now when he just offers great perspective on how to maintain hope in the midst of the tumultuous times that we're in. So, yeah, so stay tuned for that one next week, as well as a couple of snooze episodes that'll be dropping in between now and then. All right. As always, uh, remember, every new morning begins in the dark. All right. See you all next week. Peace.